Hey everyone, welcome to Flywheel Pod, your number one source for everything cracks, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave, here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And there's no better or more exciting way to harness the power of the flywheel than with safe leverage. And this time around, we had on two guys from Gearbox Protocol, which is a composable leverage solution to DeFi. And we got into it. We got into the nuts and bolts of, about how Gearbox worked. And we also got into, uh, you know, just bantering about DeFi and crypto a bit. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, I think Gearbox is one of those really cool primitives of DeFi, right? Like they are the leverage layer, a fully composable leverage layer. And anyone can use their tech. But if you want to tap into their liquidity, then you have to be integrated, whitelisted, approved by the governance, et cetera, et cetera. But I, th- I think that, you know, coming from that design space makes a lot of sense. It's where you build a fully composable primitive and let other people plug in. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. One thing I appreciate about them is how, you know, they really stay true to the decentralized ethos. They're all on chain and they're really trying to build a DeFi native solution so it's really cool you know what they have you know what they built and what they have in store and you know they're as amplis said they're a team of giga brains and um you know it's gonna be really exciting to see what they build in the future but dude here's another point even though they have such strong DeFi ethos they're also not devoid of reality right so they're taking Mm -hmm. a very methodical rollout of hey let's integrate all the safe protocols first then we'll slowly go further out on the risk curve like they're taking a very tactical approach to their um, go to market and i i think that makes a ton of sense you know going from zero Mm -hmm. to a hundred or zero to shitcoin day one is just that's not sustainable you know yeah no they're definitely building with the long term in mind and if you want to keep up with what we're doing here at Flywheel Pod, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that bell button, leave us a comment. On, you know, let us know what you think on our YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flywheel Pod. Join our Telegram at Flywheel Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the Flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, FraxETH is there for you. FraxETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into FraxETH today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Flywheel Pod. Today we have on the Gearbox crew. Um, we have on Ilgis and Amplis. Um, Gearbox is one of the more interesting, I say, DeFi native money Legos in DeFi. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Um, I feel like if you've already, if you've been deep in DeFi, you've seen Gearbox around before. Um, if not, you know, really exciting protocol, very useful, and I can definitely see them growing to be bigger as they scale into the future. Um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, Ilgis, I'll let you go first. Can you uh, Tell the listeners who you are. Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, so I have a PhD degree in computer science and math. Uh, for the last 10 years, worked in different uh, product roles, mostly in fintech and banks. 
and since late 2016 joined to crypto uh, and helped to build some DeFi projects here in our space and since february 2021 uh, joined to gearbox uh, yeah and responsible here for products stuff and for mass and risk cool cool and amplis uh, what about you hi uh, i'm amplis i'm from gearbox i mostly do marketing stuff um most of the videos you've seen from gearbox are for me i also do like articles and tweets and stuff like that um yeah, joined Gearbox, I guess, December last year-ish, something like that. Um, and I'm not really full-time at Gearbox, but it's like most of the stuff I do in crypto is Gearbox-related. Got it, got it. I mean, you're on this podcast, so <laughs> you must definitely have a, a big part. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's get right into it. Uh, so in your own words... Um, what is Gearbox and why does DeFi need Gearbox? Uh, let me start, I guess. Uh, so Gearbox built uh, what we call this composable leverage. Uh, and that's, I guess, one of the best ways to implement leverage that could be work fully on chain, fully composable, so that anyone, uh, whatever, people, user, smart wallet uh, protocol uh, treasury can use it uh, in the way as it designed so uh, it's fully composable uh, and uh, i guess composability is one of the key feature for defy uh, because like it's allows to build money blocks and uh, tonight together and uh, dramatically increase uh, innovation in our space and other, other margin trading, perpetual swapping, and different different other stuff that built before us uh, have some drawbacks uh, uh, in, in this because like they could use some uh, off-chain execution layer, like for example, DYDX or whatever else. And uh, Gearbox tried to solve this problem and implement uh, credit account. Uh, this is our uh, special primitive uh, for leveraging uh, and uh, we think it's a native way to implement leverage on chain that could be applied later for any DeFi protocols so that it will be enabled for anyone, uh, any programmatic stuff and so on. Yeah, uh, can you get into what these credit accounts are? It's, this seems like the central part of what makes Gearbox uh, work. Yeah, sure. Uh, credit account is the latest smart contract. Uh, so how it works. Uh, initially, uh, when you open credit account, you deposit some of your initial funds to it as collateral. And then you can put on this credit account uh, some funds uh, that borrowed from the pools. So as a result, you can keep on your credit account X, X2, X3, X5, X10 uh, money than you initially have. And later protocol uh, have some uh, rules, uh, policies that actually uh, restrict how this money could be used because if there is no any restriction you can just get this money and fly away uh, like some some guys <laughs> from Sefai, right? <laughs> uh, but Sayonara, we, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> but but we trust one, only in code, yeah, so uh, all, all these rules should be implemented in code. Uh, so there are two policies. First policy is list of allowed uh, tokens, so when you swap uh, one token for another uh, or somehow interact with other contracts, you receive some 
other other tokens and these tokens should be from this allowed list this uh, don't allow to implement such kind of buying shitty coins that price goes to zero very very fast yeah and second one is we uh, limit the list of con contracts that you can interact with and the reason here is the same like uh, you should be sure that this contract's not malicious there is no uh, hacks in it uh, and they can't be used to withdraw uh, funds in malicious way from credit accounts because credit accounts holds not only your money but also money from LP side. Mm. Uh, so as, as a result we have this design where credit account uh, and these policies that uh, implementation of which uh, uh, protocol checks uh, allows you to hold this uh, le leverage assets on your credit account apply to any whitelisted uh, DeFi protocol and as a result it's like you, you get this leverage and use it in the way you want it to use. And how does the LP side work? So you have credit accounts, you know, people deposit their collateral and then I guess like LP side, like where do people provide liquidity? Yeah, LP, LP side, uh, I guess pretty, pretty standard. Uh, it works the same way as uh, pools work in Compound or Aave. Uh, you can put your money in LP and get some passive interest on it, and that's it. Uh, interest rate depends on the utilization of the pool. So if utilization is very high, interest rate will be higher. If it's low, interest rate will be low. Uh, so pretty, pretty usual. Yeah, and can you walk me through the process of like, you know, how if I were to use Gearbox for something, uh, whether it's like farming or something else. So I like create a credit account, deposit my collateral, and then there's only certain whitelisted protocols uh, that you're allowed to farm and use, right? All right, yeah. Okay, I got it. And you know, what makes Gearbox different from, you know, there's other leverage farming protocols out there like Alpha Hamora. Is it because of the credit accounts or is it because of something else? Uh, I'd say it's, it's because there is no pre-built strategies. We just built uh, a set of rules here, yeah? uh, mm -hmm. and later uh, protocol or risk team can understand what kind of stuff is like uh, safe uh, for liquidity providers and add it to the protocol, and that's it. So you can use funds on credit account as you wish, and there is no pre-built strategies, and you can implement different, uh, very very different logic. Yeah, uh, you, you, it, it could be leverage farming, but it's only one of the use cases, yeah? So, for example, it could be more, uh, more complex strategies uh, when, for example, uh, you believe in ES and wanted to uh, long it, uh, and of, you can use credit account uh, for such kind of margin trading. Uh, but as a result, you hold on your credit account Ethereum, and instead of just keeping Ethereum, uh, like usually you did in uh, margin trading or perpetual uh, in Binance or in decentralized uh, perpetual protocols. You can put this Ethereum, for example, and in stacked Ethereum or any other farm, and you can combine this farming opportunity with leverage trading opportunity at the same time. Yeah, so it can get pretty exotic. Yep, yep. Yeah. Cool. And like in your own words, what does composable leverage mean? And um, 
I guess, like, why have you guys chosen to go completely on-chain with everything? From my understanding, that's that's what Gear 5 Box is, and, like, that's how it's structured. Like, what is Composable Leverage? Like, what does that mean to you? And, like, why did you decide to keep everything on-chain? Uh, last question, I guess. Why to keep everything on-chain is pretty easy to uh, answer on it after all of this Sapphire stuff last year, yeah? <laughs> Uh, I guess <laughs> when it's on chain, it's like very, very easy to track, uh, very, very easy to understand what happens uh, for all the parties uh, in the protocol. Yeah. Uh, so uh, using on chain uh, is like a right way to uh, build the five protocol from my point of view. Uh, when some thumb part is working on some off chain, uh, it's not very, very good. And it's the part where uh, some attack vector or some uh, Misleading behavior could happen, and it's, I guess, one 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 need some time to figure out how this could be used for different attack vectors. When everything is on chain, it's like very very uh, safe uh, from protocol level, and uh, other 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 I guess uh, good opportunity here is like uh, we build this comp uh, leverage layer, right, and. We, there is no need for us to focus on different other stuffs. Uh, for example, if, if you want to uh, build some margin trading uh, on top of Gearbox, there is no need to think, okay, uh, we need some liquidity on DEXs. Uh, if you want to do it in ourselves in, in not composable manner, you should everything build on your side, like uh, from the box. And from my point of view, it's not how DeFi should be designed, uh, because in, in DeFi, I don't know, Uniswap implemented uh, this DEX and everybody can use it uh, for farm, whatever it else. And it's very, very good feature when uh, teams can focus on the very, very narrow space, do it very, very well. And everybody in the space can use it uh, because like it's a really optimal way to do it. Uh, and that's how for, for, for me, that's why uh, composability is very, very important. And we don't need to focus on all of the uh, on all of the layers. We just build this uh, leverage layer and ev everybody, protocols, users, uh, can use it as, as it's designed. Yeah, and so, which protocols? Um, yeah, oh, go ahead, Kit. I just wanted to uh, kind of double click into that, Ilgis. Like, I, I know you guys currently work with uh, Uniswap V2, V3, Curve, Convex, Yearn, Lido, and Wrap, Steph. Like, are these supported protocols, did they approach you to get added into Gearbox? Or did Gearbox just added them because, you know, that's what you wanted to launch with? Oh, did he freeze? Ilgis? My man? Ilgis. Ilgis, my man. Did we get rugs? Damn. Well, my question was too while, tough. While he's frozen, <laughs> while he's frozen, I can, I can answer. Oh, please um, do, sir. So, so the protocols that are currently integrated in Gearbox, um, I don't think they approached us, although Ivan is friends with everybody. So he kind of right. knows everybody already. So it's not a case of you just chatting, right? Um, so, but I, I think the idea is like, we wanted to launch V2, especially with, um, things that we consider super safe and secure mm. and have a track record. 
of being safe and secure and like non as far as we know not exploitable right because right. user safety of course is number one um but i think the long-term vision is like if we can integrate everything that's safe in DeFi or everything that's broadly considered safe of course hacks and exploits always happen even under the best of circumstances um but like if every kind of quote unquote good useful protocol is integrated in gearbox um then you can kind of think of it as not just a leverage protocol but um the way that i envision it is like a smart contract with leverage a uh, smart wallet with leverage built in right where it's like mm -hmm. um any protocol that wants to have leverage as a part of their protocol they don't need to build out that leverage layer separately yep. they can just like be like oh we'll integrate with gearbox um gearbox is super composable anyways and it's specifically built to do this to be like relatively easy to integrate with and then there's your leverage in whatever dap protocol design you want um yeah. and the good thing is if you have a single source of leverage and you use the credit account system right that that Elgiz and Mikhail and Ivan put together um then not only like can you get leverage on every quote unquote good or safe protocol um or your positions in your credit account can cross collateralize right so if one thing goes up and another thing goes down it's not a case of oh you're going to get liquidated as long as overall your your overall position in your credit account is above water you're still fine and that's really powerful because it drastically improves the capital efficiency of what you can do um as compared to you know other existing solutions so i can have multiple credit accounts and all of those will uh net asset value will be netted together not multiple credit accounts but you can do multiple things in one credit account oh so i see you could like put one eth well not one you could put like 10 eth as collateral into a credit account borrow like 50 eth or something and put 20 eth into yearn and put 20 eth into something else and those things cross collateralize in the sense that the only thing that matters is your total credit account position and that's really really powerful and that's something we haven't really seen yet in in defi as far as i'm aware no that's super interesting and Got it. i i love that you guys are this basically middleware for leverage that you can just plug into any protocol now my only uh, question would be this whitelisting and you know you guys really hold the permissions on who can integrate with gearbox right do you kind of foresee that being you know uh, loosened or removed in the future and that anyone can integrate with gearbox so technically i believe that anybody can already integrate with gearbox the only issue is where you can draw funds from when you're borrowing right so we have like there's only one pool of liquidity right now right because we don't want to fracture our own liquidity but theoretically you could deploy your own liquidity and then be like oh people can borrow from this siloed pool of liquidity for our particular protocol right but the problem is if you want to use like the main source of liquidity we really need right. to be very careful that everything is safe and so like for the time being at least i believe that like the, the source of liquidity that we have right now which is like just the lp um, 
the LP providers, um, that is not going to be like permissionless because mm -hmm. otherwise you could have a situation where like, I don't know, Sam wants to permissionlessly add FTX as collateral and, you know, and that's happened before, right? That happened to Cream basically, although they're also yeah, not yeah. technically permissionless. But if, if you get like bad collaterals or bad strategies um, that like can go to zero really quickly, uh, that becomes that. a problem. <laughs> That becomes a problem in a per yeah. permi in a permissionless world. Then you open yourself up to exploits. So the permissionless thing, um, there are ways to do it, but you have to find your own liquidity, basically. And it's not going to happen with our liquidity. Uh, I, I like that. Never someone, you, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, you guys provide the leverage, but it's a BYOL, bring your own liquidity. So I, I, I like that <laughs> a lot. Um, go ahead, Dave. No, I, I was going to say, whenever I hear, when someone says Sam, like, I have to, like, think for a second, like, I hope they're not talking about our Sam, <laughs> like, but it's the other Sam, <laughs> SVF, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's, there's one good Sam. I hope for the, I, no, I hope, I think for the next uh, six months or so, when people talk about Sam, it's going to be about that Sam, but yeah. hopefully in a few years, it's going to be about uh, your Sam, which the much better yeah. Sam, I think. Yes, yes. It's yeah, a, I think so. S SKF. Sam, Kaz, Frax, <laughs> SKF, guys. SK, SK. Uh, um. <laughs> okay. Um, I asked the, speaking about our Sam, um, I was wondering, you know, Frax I've seen is starting to get integrated into Gearbox. Um, is there a roadmap for like a further um, integration between Frax and even Frax ETH in the future? Like how do you guys envision, you know, that relationship going forward? Yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, actually, we see with very, very optimistic with this integration. And I guess later, it, of course, could be increased. Uh, and uh, also, we think about Frax BP. And the one, the one, the one obstacle here is like uh, withdrawal logs, uh, because like Gearbox composable. And we should be sure that liquidation always should be possible to do at any time and to do it with some uh, locking mechanism, locking design, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, but mm. for this, we also have some solution. And one of the ideas that we keep in our mind uh, to build separate pools, uh, which have some expression. Uh, and for such kind of pools, it's possible to implement this uh, locking, locking uh, mechanism, I guess, and mitigate risks that there is need to liquidate some position and uh, this position can be withdrawn because like it's still in lock. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess there are a lot of different opportunities for integration and uh, we'll see how, it, uh, how, how, how it's going, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to point out what Amplis was saying earlier, like one thing I loved how um, he described it as this leverage layer on top of DeFi because leverage is very complicated to build out. You know, there's a lot of risk to consider. You know, it's a lot, you know, it's in a protocol's interest to outsource that kind of, you know, building to someone else that just focuses on leverage completely. And I see the same thing for Frax. Yeah. And like, do you see a, you know, maybe some integration with like Frax Lend in the future using like that, that, um, you know, what they built out and integrating that into um, Gearbox in the near future? 
Yeah, that also could be interesting. Uh, yeah. I guess they only need to check uh, the use case where users can uh, use it and how they can apply uh, this leverage using Fraxland. Uh, that's the one of the questions uh, uh, that's not obvious for me uh, for now. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so need a little bit research uh, from user side, but yeah, it, it's very interesting. Yep, got it. Um, and in terms of uh, how Gearbox rolled out, I remember you guys had a very interesting rollout. You had like you know an airdrop to like certain users that did like certain things. Um, and it was very, it was pretty smooth. It's very well communicated. Uh, can you walk us through about how that rollout happened and like why you guys decided to do it the way you did? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I guess Gearbox story is something unique uh, in the in the five PS according uh, this yeah. uh, rollout. Uh, and yeah, uh, as, as as I said. Uh, Credit account is uh, is the latest smart contract, right? Uh, when when we talked before, uh, the design of Gearbox, and uh, as far as each credit account is the latest smart contract, it should be deployed. So it's kind of like a very very big number of deployed contracts. Uh, now, for example, uh, in Gearbox, five k uh, credit accounts, so each contract should be deployed, and it's a lot of gas. And there is no make sense for us, for example, to spend this money. Uh, and uh, and our idea was like, okay, uh, we can uh, create this community-driven uh, deployment, where actually community who thinks that Gearbox is something valuable, they can come and uh, take participation in credit account mining event. Uh, so our goal is like to filter some users who could understand the value proposition of Gearbox, uh, who actually like not just dumpers, but who can make something valuable for protocol. So we check uh, people who like old OGs for DeFi protocols, who take participation in governance, uh, in voting, and so on, like who actually participate in the growth part of any kind of top protocols uh, that available in that time. So we did this pre-list. Uh, I don't remember exact number of how much uh, users in this list, like 50K or even more. I don't remember. Uh, and they can deploy this uh, credit account. And credit account after deployment goes to the factory uh, that protocols has. Uh, and yeah, so it's like community-driven dri- uh, deployment. Uh, we as uh, initial founders deployed just one part of the protocol and other part was deployed by community. And it's also very, very beneficial from my point of view because we've uh, got as a result a big number of people who actually like put their money in protocol and do something valuable for it. And these people initially voted for what kind of pools should be in protocol, what kind of assets we wanted to add. Uh, so everything goes like from the day zero uh, community driven. So with that, we like DAO from the zero, uh, zero, zero, uh, zero day, uh, all decision uh, were taken in DAO format uh, from from the beginning. And later, yeah, I guess like as a result, we received a very, very active community, uh, very, very active uh, governance, like usually like one, one key people 
take participation in government votings. I guess for such kind of early protocol as Gearbox, it's pretty, pretty good number uh, and pretty good activity uh, for uh, government stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that's Got that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was one phase was on, on the launch. Yeah, I was going to say people had to earn their tokens. They couldn't just like do a simple like, oh, let me do this like one trade or let me do this like one thing, um, and then just dump. But like, no, like they had to like go out, you know, perform this like certain action, like actually use the protocol how it's meant to be used. And it was a filtering mechanism of like, okay, who's actually actually going to be active in the community. To be honest, like gas went so high during the credit account deployment that I'm pretty certain, at least on um, on one of my wallets, I'm going to be losing money on the credit account deployment because the amount of tokens uh, you got. Um, but I, I paid like a ridiculous amount in gas, and that was when ETH was like much higher as well. Uh, yeah. How yeah. does uh, so, gear? Yeah, was, that's going to lead me to my next question. How does um, Gearbox? think about gas optimization because everything's on chain. So that gets, you know, definitely expensive. So how does Gearbox account for everything in terms of gas? Well, the way that I think about it is that our devs are the most gigabrain devs uh, on the planet and they'll figure it out. That's my strategy. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, from from gas perspective, uh, our design, I guess, pretty, pretty uh, good because like credit account, as far as it is a little smart contract, there is no big overhead to use it interacting with any DeFi protocol because like every every asset you already keep on your credit account. So it doesn't matter. You trade with your own wallet or with credit account. It's like the same ERC20 transfer, for example. Uh, and there is no need to calculate mm -hmm. all balances. Like, for example, when you have some one volt and every every user has some share on this world and when something changes in this world you should like recalculate a lot of a lot of stuff it's more more compli complicated to do it in that in that way and in gearbox it's very very simple uh, because like it's it's the same wallet uh, it's just smart contract wallet and it's easy to check what kind of asset you hold in your wallet you can just go to etherscan and see okay this is asset number one, asset number two. You, you, you can see all your trades, all your position already on scan. There is no to do some uh, explorer from our side yet because it's every, everything works as for original usual wallet. But the only difference that it's smart contract and all operations happens using this smart contract. So something go out from this smart contract, something go back to this smart contract. But it's the same transaction as you did from your usual wallet. And there is another uh, important stuff, I guess, that in Gearbox, there is no need even for interface. Yeah? Because, for example, you can go to original Uniswap interface, connect with wallet, connect uh, your smart contract uh, credit account, and make all transactions as you usually trade on Uniswap. And Uniswap and Wallet Connect understands that it should route uh, money from your credit account, not, not from your original wallet. And everything works very net natively. Got it. And I feel like the smart contract wallet hasn't been used too much yet as, like, as a general Ethereum primitive. Like The only two times I've heard of it are in Gearbox and also in Argent, and actually also in uh, Instadap too. 
Um, how do you see, you know, just not just for Gearbox, but do you see smart contracts while it's becoming more and more uh, commonplace um, as Ethereum evolves in the future? Uh, good, good question. Without, without asking so, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I guess it's like uh, using usual wallet. It's like technic technically complicated. Yeah, so not not everyone uh, can understand how it uh, works. How to be sure that uh, you don't track yourself. That don't don't need to put your seed phrase to Twitter uh and something like that it's like not not not, <laughs> not obvious for a lot a, lo a lot of people uh and i guess it's very very hard to uh uh to understand and understand them only after losing a lot of money uh, that's maybe not not a good choice so yeah i guess such kind of uh smart contract wallet will be like uh, more popular uh in 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 the uh, in the near time, because uh, like it's just could could solve some uh, some questions for people who are not developers who are not uh, OG in DeFi and understand everything very well how work in crypto and just for original people it's like much much easier way to uh, use some solution that allows them to interact with some limited number of options, but solve a lot of other security stuff. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Like once gas is sorted, then so so if you think gas will be solved, like the cost of transactions will be solved by L2s, then I feel like smart contract wallets are inevitable just because like the wallet experience right now is so bad and it could be so much better. Like. With smart contract wallets, you could have uh, experiences that is that feels like a Web two experience whilst being a Web three experience. So, like, why would we want that? I mean, I feel like it's inevitable. Yeah, as long as probably... transaction costs get solved, right? Yeah, as long as that gets solved, um, and I feel like you know, not just between smart contract wallets and you know, hopefully like improvements in UI and UX, you know. By the time the next bowl comes, um, you know, all that will get sorted and we'll be able to onboard that many more new people into the space. But the question is for those new onboarded people, you know, do you see them using stuff like Gearbox? Do you see, you know, maybe treasury managers or, you know, people that specialize in actually using leverage using Gearbox and someone, let's say like someone can just build on top of Gearbox saying like, hey, I'm a manager, like, give me your funds and like, I'll manage it for you. Like, is that how you see it playing out in the future? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, my I, take I, is... Yeah, sorry, go ahead, August. Yeah, okay. Uh, my, my thoughts here, it's like leverage, not for everybody, yeah? So if, if, even if we check uh, traditional markets, we can see that like not, not everybody use uh, leverage or derivatives and so on. It's like more professional way yeah so i guess yeah there, there will be some split between just simply traders or more sophisticated users uh, because like yeah uh, in leverage it's very very easy to be wrecked uh, and of course it's like requires a little bit more research to using it uh, so yeah i guess it's it's not for everyone uh, 
but still, I guess it's like uh, a very, very big user base for users who will be able to use leverage, understand how it works. And that could be different segments. It could be some professional users, more professional uh, users. It could be some treasury managers, management uh, users. It could be some protocols who can actually use leverage to increase the revenue streams differently. Got it. Got it. What's, and what's where, the most popular strategy? Oh. I was going to say, like, what was Amplis going to say? Because I know, you know, he had an answer. Oh, sure. Um, so what I was going to say is, is like more or less in line with what I said, like, I don't know if it's a good thing necessarily that like, quote unquote, retail is punting with 20x leverage on FTX. Like, is that a good outcome? I don't know. Like, should they be allowed to do it? Yes, absolutely. They should be allowed. But like, probably if like blockchain is going to be an important technology in like 10 years, probably we don't want like quote unquote retail to be like punting with high leverage on shit coins, right? That's not the point of it. Um, so in that sense, like as hopefully crypto becomes more and more mainstream, less and less normal users are using leverage, right? And to the extent that they are, they're using it through other products. Um, so like I see Gearbox almost like the way you described it earlier, like going forward more and more, hopefully it's like middleware and the end user isn't even aware of its existence. And uh, kind of, yeah, like hopefully a lot of the users are um, like larger players, like either super sophisticated DGENs who like really know what they're doing and want access to the leverage directly. And like, but hopefully most kind of normal users are doing it through some um, additional layer that's built on top of Gearbox that is, you know, has good risk management so they don't get wrecked, basically. Got it. Yeah. Every time I hear, you know, middleware or something like what Gearbox is to leverage, what Jado is to automation, Gearbox is to leverage. Like the, the parallels are, you know, very apparent for me there. Yeah. So I actually wanted to jump in and ask, what is the most popular strategy right now on Gearbox? Uh, good question. Uh, I guess actually, uh, Frax LP was like, uh, most popular strategies, uh, several years ago, uh, not checking today. Uh, but I guess still, still the same. Yeah. Can check it. Yeah. I'm looking at the Dune right now. And according to the Dune, the most popular strategy is, uh, the urine West vault, which is surprising because that means the APY must be higher than state deep right now. Could you explain uh, that yeah. to me, Amplis? What, what, what does that mean that they're in the, uh, urine vault, urine West vault? So, I mean, there's a yearn strategy that's like the vanilla ETH strategy. And I don't know if the Dune that I'm looking at is fully updated, but if it is, um, hang on. No, I, I guess, guess I, I, guess, really I, guess, I guess this is, this is updated data, picture, yeah. yeah. Like so several, several yeah. weeks, uh, last several weeks, uh, Yon Vault has very, very high uh, APIs. So I guess uh, a lot of people just ape into it. 
And that's the reason why YVF. Yeah, I think it was 10% last week or something. Uh, so probably people well, aped into that. Uh, got yeah. it. And what are the, the fees like to use a, a credit account? Could, could you kind of run that uh, through for me? Uh, fee from Gearbox, you mean? Yes, the, the fees from Gearbox. Uh, okay. Uh, actually, uh, Gearbox uh, has several sources of yield. Uh, first one, there is spread between uh, borrower rate and uh, supply rate. Uh, that's, I guess, also pretty similar uh, for our compound, yeah? So also there is some spread. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is one of, one of the uh, sources. And second source from liquidation side, uh, if liquidation happens, protocols also get some uh, fees. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And how does liquidation work in Gearbox? Is it like a haircut style or is it like liquidity or? Uh, 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 okay, uh, liquidation don't require uh, any kind of uh, uh, capital now. So it's like uh, not capital intensive. Uh, you just need to understand what kind of operations should be done inside credit account to swap assets on it to underlying uh, paybacks, the debt and so on. So uh, it's like there is no need uh, for um, liquidator to has any kind of capital or use flash loan uh, because credit accounts already over collateralized. So there is no need for external capital uh, to close position. So, uh, and when liquidator close credit account, he uh, gets some liquidation premium, uh, which actually like some constant uh, fee applied to the uh, uh, value of assets that uh, now holds on the credit account and uh, pay some uh, liquidation fee to uh, DAO and that's it. Yeah, I've noticed in the past 30 days, you really, you've really seen a hockey stick in these fees. Um, to, uh, you know, your total fees is up. Do we have that chart? Um, hold on. The chart was here in, in earlier, but uh, more than half the total fees of Gearbox have come in the past 30 days, uh, 269K, um, over uh, 462,000 total fees. Um, is that because of the recent market action with FTX and everything? Uh, like, what, no, where do most uh, of the, like, the, yeah. Yeah, uh, bef before, like, uh, before 15 November, I guess, there was some withdrawal fee for uh, Poolside, the reasoning for that is like when pools very small, it's very, very easy to uh, move utilization and it's dramatically increase uh, uh, borrow API and actually uh, makes everybody unhappy with that. So uh, there, there was uh, this uh, withdrawal fee uh, for LPs, 1% that will be removed. So I guess number of users just removed liquidity before that and because of that this number so uh, increased yeah I so see. actually we taxed sam um alameda caroline i guess uh, caroline was in 
was in the LP pool with Alameda funds. Mm -hmm. um, and before, because obviously they were having a liquidity crunch, right? Before we removed the withdrawal fee, which was like widely publicized, we were going to with, like remove the 1% fee as a part of the V2 launch. And, and we we're just like doing the votes and DAO stuff necessary to get it done, right? Um, Alameda withdrew before we stopped the withdrawal fee and like took the 1% hit, which paid uh... us a bunch of fees. Um, I, don't, I don't remember how much they deposited, but it wasn't a small amount that. anyways. Yeah, so. Uno reverse card. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting we're we're trying to make your money back, our, you know, one uh, withdrawal <laughs> fee at a time. That's awesome. So, so moving it's forward, the protocol you guys of the people. Have, got it, got it. And, and moving forward, you guys would not have a withdrawal fee anymore. So it really comes down to spread plus liquidation. Yep. Correct. Fees. I see. Got it. And um, I I, I got a question here, and you know, with the whole um you know avi with the curve and the ave like bad and the mango and the mango you know prior uh um activities like is there any possibility that gearbox would be left with like bad debt from a highly profitable trading strategies Uh, uh, this one should be for Elgis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, of course, it's possible. Yeah. So we, we see different use cases before in DeFi. So when something goes wrong, uh, the different scenario can have a place. Uh, but of course, it's kind of responsibility of governance and responsibility of uh, risk team to check uh, and to understand what kind of parameters should be, what kind of asset can be uh, added to the uh, allowed list, uh, so to mitigate such kind of risk. So, yeah, uh, but technical, technical, of course, it's possible. Uh, but if everything, I guess, chosen correctly, uh, that should not happen. Understood. It. Because the pool of assets are still well pulled together. These, even though it's a credit account, it's not an isolated pool position because you're still essentially drawing from the same pool of liquidity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you, you've got, you've got this funds from pool and if, if for example, health factor calculations are wrong on credit account, uh, I mean, not, not wrong, uh, but uh, for example, uh, some risk parameters calculated incorrectly and uh, price of some token drops very, very fastly, uh, then mm -hmm. credit account can pay back its debt. Yeah, And uh, it's for such a case, it will be bad debt. Uh, but of course, it's responsibility of the, to understand what kind of risk here we have, uh, to check liquidity uh, on DEXs, to be sure that uh, case of CRV last week can happen. Yeah. Uh, if, for example, all your position yeah. could be uh, liquidated, is it possible or not on DEXs for existing market situation? And here we work with Risk DAO, who has, like, I guess, one of the strongest team uh, uh, from risk perspective uh, in our space. And we have mm -hmm. like built a, a different tools like uh, dashboards uh, that uh, allows us to check uh, what kind of position in each protocol, in each asset we have, 
uh, in which kind of pool uh, to see all the picture for all the protocol in the real time and uh, have a right uh, have uh, how to say uh, and this is help us to make a right choice and understand maybe to change some parameters of the protocol uh, before it's too late. Got it. So you're saying it's almost like dynamically monitoring liquidity of the underlying collateral and adjusting the parameters of basically, you know, what's available to borrow based yep. on that uh, liquidity. Dude, yep. that should be we like have, a basic different... for literally every protocol. I mean, I just want to double click back on what um, Amplis said earlier. If we assume that transaction fees are a solved problem, you know, it's kind of alluding to L2s. Can we expect Gearbox to be on L2s in the future? Uh, good question. Uh, actually, why not? Uh, I guess it's possible. Uh, the only uh, question here, I guess, like, uh, main benefit of Gearbox when you have different uh, opportunities to apply your capital, right? Because like uh, we don't build some leveraging box, uh, we just can apply it to different protocols. So uh, to understand what kind of layer two we can go with, we should be sure that there are enough liquidity, enough protocols. Uh, where Gearbox users can uh, apply their leverage because like if this is some layer two, there is no uh, in which any activity, uh, any, any protocol deployed on it. So it's difficult to Gearbox to show its uh, real usage here because like we, ca we can't do anything if there is no uh, initial usage of layer two. Could we see a... Uh like a leveraged GLP pool in the future? Sorry? Uh, can we see something like a leveraged GLP pool in the future? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, actually. I just started searching uh, JMX and GLP pools. It's very, very interesting to understand how, how, how they work and how is it possible to implement in a, in a easy way. Uh, some integration for Gearbox, but yeah, it's it's some, something, I guess, uh, unique uh, and interesting that uh, happens previous several months in the yeah. space. So what, what is your take on GMX? Because we've had uh, guests on in the past, you know, I wouldn't call them grievances, but more say, you know, GMX is riskier than, you know, what other people than what people think. Um, what is your take on GMX? Because it's obviously one of the more, if not the, the most successful protocol on any L2, in my opinion, you know, they've been able to like leverage a huge community, you know, get a huge, you know, following, um, you know, the real yield doesn't lie with the GLP token, but what is your take on GMX? Uh, I, 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 I think it's like a little bit, uh, hidden, hidden risk in GLP pools uh because it's like it's very very sophisticated design and it's not uh, obvious what happens for different scenarios and i guess uh we can see some interesting uh, insights here like when uniswap just launched 
a lot of people don't understand what is impairment loss, how it works. Uh, and GLP pool design, I guess, it's also have some interesting tri tricky points that will be uh, uh, when people will understand it later after <laughs> earning money or losing a little bit money. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens because yeah, there's you know, I don't I don't know whatever happened on Avalanche like a few months ago. Um, and then, you know, we'll see, you know, well, I think the, the biggest question is how can GOP scale? Like, can it, you know, have the same model and still scale up into the future? I'll add on GMX that, you know, as long as their users continue to be shit traders and continue losing money, GLP, LP, GLPs will do fine. Right. And once their users start making money on their trades, which probably is never going to happen because they're all loser traders. Um, <laughs> then GLPs will start losing money. Like, like if some, yeah, if GLPs are making money, somebody's losing money somewhere. So if you're a GMX, if you're trading on GMX, like maybe think about what you're doing. Yeah. It's funny because all exchanges are like this. All exchanges are just full of losers just straight up. <laughs> like, like... Well, in, in an ideal world, right? Like half, or maybe a little bit less than half of your traders on whatever exchange you are, are making money, like let's say like 45% and 55% are losing, right? And the exchange is taking like a cut, right? Like, like in poker or whatever, like the house takes a rake and then it's like uh, an almost fair game where you have a chance of making money and you have a chance of losing money. But this, according to the stats that I've seen, like the traders on GMX are just like straight up bad, bad traders and they don't know what they're doing and they're getting wrecked. It's funny. I think there's this bias. It's like if you're on, you know, L2, if you're on Arbitrum, you're, you're obviously technically competent, uh, competent. Um, you know, you've probably been in DeFi and in crypto for a while and, you know, you're probably more of a technical maybe builder side, but that doesn't, that does not translate at all to being a good trader. And that's, <laughs> and that's the problem. You probably have people like think that they're good traders because like, oh, I made it onto Arbitrum. Like I got here, I must be like, you know, special, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you're just a shit trader. <laughs> like, like, you know, just one thing doesn't equal the other thing. Yeah. It's very strange to me. Oh, what's strange that people are just like, keep losing, like, keep deciding to lose money on GMX. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. People like look at like, if you're on Arbitrum, you surely must have seen these threads, right? About, mm -hmm. you know, how GMX traders are just the worst and keep losing <laughs> money. And that's why GLP is so successful. And that's why GMX is doing so well. Right. So like, you must have seen these threads and like, what makes you think that, oh, you're, you're going to be the one to buck the trend. <laughs> uh, I mean, like guys, it's over, right? If Caroline and Sam aren't making money on their trade, <laughs> nobody's making money on their trade. <laughs> Who made money this cycle? <laughs> We're all just funny. down bad. <laughs> Amber's just spitting yeah. facts on the pod today. Yeah. So, like, if when the bull market comes back again, like, and everything's up only, you know, I know it's hard. That's hard to imagine now. Like, how is GLP gonna fare? in a up only environment and, and not in a crab environment or a down only environment. That's the real question. What's more interesting to me is like, 
So GLP is what? BTC, ETH, and, and USD, basically, in an LP position, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the GLP users could be, quote-unquote, making money, but it might feel like they're not because they're down in BTC or they're down in ETH. And does that need to, like, losing a bunch of liquidity, which then mm -hmm. affects the exchange? That kind of thing is, is will be interesting to see what happens. I'm not sure if that collective thought has you know gone into people's minds yet because i feel like if you're like gop is kind of and gmx have kind of built this you know like i said very strong following and so they're probably all just around fees we're gonna make it back blah 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 um but i'm not sure if you know i feel like those i think gmx did a good job of like building up that cult following and they're in gop and they're just staying in gop i mean that's just my observation Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, speaking of other things in DeFi, um, where do you guys think DeFi goes from here? Um, how do you guys think you know everything's playing out, especially after uh, the FTX fallout? Um, where do you see you know the next narrative popping up? I don't, I don't know what the next narrative will be, but it's probably going to be stupid, and I'm I'm probably going to hate it. Uh, maybe <laughs> NFT, NFT finance or something. I don't know. What was like, the narrative you hated most this past cycle? Yeah, you know, it's got to be like, it's got to be NFTs, right? Like apes, like the punks I can live with. Those apes are ugly and stupid, and uh, pointless. <laughs> ugly, stupid, and pointless. <laughs> like, if I, I don't understand. I'm not going to get into it. I don't understand people who like look at that thing and, and think like, you know what? That's fucking cool. I want that. It's literally the lamest thing on the planet. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. What's your favorite NFC, Amplis? It's got to be ghouls, right? Ghouls. 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 Yeah. You know Ace why? Ghouls. Because they're at people's prices. They're cheap and they look good. Yeah. You know, that's something I thought about NFTs too. Like with every, you know, increase in the price floor, you get, you know, a certain part of the community exiting and new people coming into the community with every, you know, different, you know, every increase or decrease. And I feel like with apes, you know, when it reached like a certain floor price and it kind of went up only, it just became unbearable and they became the meme that they are today. I don't know. I feel like apes are all fuckboys, right? Like Jimmy Fallon bought an ape. Didn't like Justin Bieber have one as well? This is the club yeah. that you're in. This is not the cool kids club. I don't understand it. Yeah. Man. Uh, what about um, out like yeah. the umpire? Yeah. Amplitz, what else is on your mind? What else are you pissed off about in, in crypto? Um, I don't know. I found the whole SDF, FTX thing pretty funny. Uh, I, I mean, I get that people lost money and that's sad, but yeah. I don't know. Like the whole thing was kind of hilarious to me. It was fascinating to watch, watching him like continue to meme his effective altruist stuff, even after the fact, like he's, he's like shit posting to his friend, which they now posted on the internet, right. About how it's all fake. But then even after that, even after he gets caught out, he's still like pretending to be a good guy and like leaking these employee messages. Like it's nonsense. And I wonder how many, oh, you know what else is cool is um, SPF, uh, not SPF, Suzu turning Muslim. That's cool. 
That's a good, that's, that's the next narrative. <laughs> I saw in uh, DeFi Llama, they have, um, you know, a section for, you know, is, you know, halal finance for like their subject. They were like, these are the halal protocols. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. No, I didn't say it. I did not, but that, that's bullish. I'm bullish on DeFi Llama. That's bullish on super bullish. Same yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, no, with the whole uh, SPF stuff, you know, it's funny that you said like, I'm a good guy. And like looking back at Sushi, um, you know, when that launched and seeing, uh, you know, that Discord message of Chef Nomi saying, I'm a good guy. And then seeing, you know, um, I'm fucked up and I'm sorry, like Chef Nomi's apology and then seeing SPF's apology, you know. There's definitely some involvement with that SPF and Alameda and Sushi. Like, I feel like, I'm a, I mean, there's no like smoking gun evidence, but it seems pretty clear. I'm not sure what you guys, you know, looking back at that, like what you guys think. Uh, I don't want to speculate on, you know, doxing people as in and on, but mm -hmm. yeah, the language is quite similar, right? Eh? Mm -hmm. I miss those days. Don't you miss those days? Those were the good old days. I do miss those days. I lost, I, I lost a bunch of money in sushi. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> it's like I farmed it um, heavily at the beginning, sold the token for like next to nothing. Then it pumped. That's exactly I, what I, happened to me. And then I That's bought back exactly. in and then it dropped back down. It, these are lessons learned, man. Lessons learned for the future. Expensive lessons, but you yeah. know, at least we have those memories. to But carry. the memes are good. There was like a, are great. there was this like excitement in the air that isn't around at the moment. Yeah. I've, I just felt like I, I've said this before, you know, through that bear market, just like watering through the desert and there's no hope you don't see anything. And then all of a sudden it's, Oh, comp has this like yield farming thing. And then it, it was off to the races from there. And it's just like waking up like, Oh, what, what are we farming boys? <laughs> and, then, and then it's just, you know, it, it there was definitely a certain magic in the air back then in that, you know, didn't, that doesn't exist now at the moment, but will it come back again? I think it will come back again, but it's just hard to imagine like what form it will take. It's just a matter of sticking around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, the, for real, to answer your question from earlier, for real, the next narrative, I think the next big narrative um, for crypto, and maybe this will take a couple of years, uh, but it's, it's ZK. Mm -hmm. Like zero knowledge stuff is going to okay. solve a lot of the problems that we have in crypto. What yeah. What problems do you think it will solve? So like with ZK tech, we're like on the cusp of solving the scalability trilemma, right? Because mm -hmm. instead of, um, right now, like every uh, node needs to basically redo all the computation, right? So the whole idea of a blockchain is like everybody ch checks everything. So everybody's redoing all the computation and w that's why it's so expensive. Um, so like if you do an ETH transaction um, and that broadcasts out to all the nodes, like each of those nodes is checking that transaction is valid, right? And the, the way that they check is that they basically redo the calculation. Um, with ZK, instead of having to redo the computation, you can just do a proof. And so that basically means that um, instead of every uh, node redoing a full calculation, you're doing like a very small, like much less computation 
to verify that something is valid. And that basically breaks open the scalability trilemma. So we can have, you know, fast and secure and decentralized. Um, that's going to change everything, right? Once we have that, then we have the ability to rival kind of web two or whatever you want to call it, like, um, in terms of speed and efficiency without having to compromise on, uh, decentralization. And I think that's what we need to be able to onboard kind of all of our moms or whatever, like it, it needs to be, it needs to be not only like, yeah, in order to onboard like moms and grandmas, it needs to be not just better because it's decentralized it needs to be better and more decentralized, like better in every way um, and dominate the previous option. And I think potentially uh, like ZK L2s will, will get us there. Yeah, no, I agree. We can have our cake and eat it too with uh, ZKs. We can, you know, be efficient and be sovereign with ZKs. And I'm definitely really excited for that. Yeah. Um, and then um, the broader application of the tech is like, potentially we have, we have a chance to reclaim our privacy too and like have the internet be what it was supposed to be instead of the sh like this fucking cesspit that it is right now. And, and that's kind of hopeful as well. I don't know if that will happen, but ZK allows it to happen, uh, which is optimistic, I guess. It opens the possibility. Yep, exactly. Uh, speaking of ZKs, you know, you have, you know, things like Starkware pop up with Cairo um, and like all these like new different languages. I mean, you have fewer labs, um, you have all these. Do you guys think that Solidity is the end game for computer, like for languages for Ethereum? Or do you think there's a world where there's multiple languages and Ethereum is this consensus layer and all these different languages are on top. Maybe not all these different languages, but there's like a few select languages that are the execution languages that are just on top of Ethereum, which is this consensus layer. Um, I don't know if Mikhail, uh, sorry, not Mikhail. I don't know if Ilgaz has takes. I have, I have a take, which is, um, I think with the kind of L1 battles that we've seen in, in this previous cycle, right? Solidity and kind of EVM compatibility or whatever you want to call it um, was the thing because basically like people just wanted to fork things, right? And the reason why people just... Fork around and find out. The reason why people just wanted to fork things, the BSC and Polygon and, you know, whatever, Phantom, et cetera, et cetera, Avalanche, um, is because actually those other layer ones didn't present a better version of a blockchain. It's just different, right? So they're, dif they're differently positioned on the centralization, like on the trilemma spectrum, right? They've chosen different um, points to be on that spectrum, but none of them are quote unquote better than Ethereum. Um, so they might be faster, but they're less decentralized, blah, 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 right? And uh, I think developers are drawn to Ethereum because it's the most decentralized. And so like the shit developers do, to develop on other shit chains, like they just want to fork things and make a bunch of money. But actually like there's not, there was not much innovation happening on any of those other chains. 
Um, and that's why EVM compatibility was important because people just wanted to fork things. And the, I guess the exception kind of was Solana, but I don't know too much about the Solana ecosystem. But with ZKs, right? Um, so with ZKL2s, the possibilities of what can be done on a ZK layer two are so vast that I think it will attract the best developers to do new and incredible things. Um, so it won't be a case of like people just want to copy everything from L1 to L2s because like these ZK L2s are going to be, a, be able to do things that you actually can't do on L1s, like entirely new, um, unimaginable things. So for example, like there's this guy called, I'm just going to randomly shout out a guy right now, but there's this guy called Guilty Gyoza who's like developing on uh, StarkNet, I guess, um, who's like, He's like calculating frame by frame for some kind of fighting game. These are just experimental things, I think. But he's like doing frame by frame calculations for some kind of fighting game. And everything is on chain. So like imagine Street Fighter and every frame of the animation, other than like generating the animated um, figures themselves, but like all the math behind those animations, like uh, your hitboxes and all that stuff, all of that is on chain. That kind of thing is possible on a ZKL2, um, but not possible in a ZK EVM L2, if that makes sense, right? And so probably um, Solidity is not where it's going to be at. So there, there'll probably be ZKL2s where there are, Z, there are ZK EVMs and then people just fork existing things plus build a couple of new things. But then I think there's going to be this other category of like ZKL2s, which Abandon solidity, abandon EVM compatibility, but in exchange, you have like, like the full power of computation, and you can do almost anything that you can imagine, like on computers right now, but on chain. If that makes sense, and like the possibility of that is yeah. so, um, is so amazing that it will draw world. developers in. Right, exactly. It's a whole new world, and that will draw developers in, and. And therefore, I think Solidity is not going to be it um, down the line. Ooh, spicy. Ilgis, I want to hear from you, man. Uh, I, th I, th I think that what's matter here is like a number of devs. And we, if we check a number of devs in different change in different languages, we can see that Solidity is like, I, I, don't, I don't know, percent, real percent number, but it's very high. Yeah? So it's like... 80, 90% maybe. And I guess compete with such number of developers, it's very, very hard for any kind of other solution. And it's very difficult, even if you check on uh, Web2 uh, uh, history use cases, we can see that changing languages is very difficult. And even even for large corporations that are do, dominant in the market. And even with their market power, it's very, very difficult to... Uh, to uh, give an option to build on other languages. And I guess it's like one of the several use cases uh, in Web2, uh, like uh, with Apple, with, uh, with Google, where, when they actually pushed devs to build on their uh, own languages or own supported languages. And I guess if, if you don't see such kind of use cases when some big corporations come to the market and try to push uh, and have very very big budget on it uh, to build everything from the scratch it's very difficult to uh, push people 
to choose this language. So I guess Solidity and Bambi Viper still will be a, like market dominant in the our space. Mm. But I mean, yeah, so I we have differing opinions here. Yeah. 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 I, like I might this. be biased. My partner is uh, works for one of the ZK projects. So I have like mm. a particular, uh, yeah, I have a particular yeah. bias here for, for that happening. Yeah, some, someone that I used to work with uh, started a ZK project. So I definitely developed my bias there. And also just, you know, people I've worked with in the past, super excited about Starkware and Cairo and like all the possibilities there. So I've been Stark-pilled and ZK-pilled for over a year now and definitely understand, you know, what it's capable of. And, you know, like you said, it's impossible to imagine where it's going to lead and like what's going to be built because it just hasn't existed yet. And also, we're just so used to being in this, you know, kind of frame of being solidity, you know, EVM only, that it's hard to imagine outside, you know, what the world looks outside of it. But you can say the same thing about last cycle. It was hard to imagine, you know, DeFi, you know, the way it was. It was even hard to imagine NFTs blowing up the way they did. If you told me... Four, Still hard three, to imagine years, NFTs blowing up the way they did. Yeah. If you told me, like, they would, like, you know, really, like, take the mainstream by storm... Um, I wouldn't have believed you, and it, in like the way that it did, in such, in in a dumb way, like, <laughs> like. But then again, I'm just like, oh, it, it, it. When you see it play out, it's like, oh, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, ZK uh, tech is as cool as I think it's gonna be. Man, I mean, yeah. like for for me, as much as I want to see all of these experimentation with OPRB, Starknet, Starkware, ZK Sync, ZK EVM, you know, ABC, XYZ, Gen Z, you know, as much as I love all of that, I feel like isn't liquidity going to be super fragmented, like across all of these things as everybody is experimenting? And it, it already is. It already is. And it's only going to get worse and worse. So. Like, you know, where do we go from there? And then liquidity begets liquidity, right? Like the, the power law is more real than anything uh, but liquidity. So I, I mean, my hope is, yeah. My hope is um, like, yes, liquidity will be fragmented. Uh, number one, if most L2s are using ETH as a base layer, right? Um, hopefully that makes it makes bridging and all that stuff a lot easier and smoother than it might otherwise be with like a quote unquote multi-chain world. Um, and that will allow liquidity to be quite nimble. And then the other thing is like, I'm seeing a world where more and more things are put on chain as it's possible to put more and more different kinds of things on chain. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that draws in more and more liquidity so that we're at the point where it doesn't matter if liquidity is fragmented because like all the liquidity in the world is on chain or something. I mean, like not literally that, but you, you know what I mean? So you're saying there's going to be an abundance and it doesn't matter if it's fragmented, if it's basically a trillion everywhere anyways. Right. So yeah, if like, if like, I don't know, half of, or like 25% of like all financial transactions are on chain, then like, it doesn't matter about like whether sure. liquidity is fragmented or not. Right. Right. I think there will how, how be about a bunch you, of... How, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I think I think there will be a bunch of uh, new kind of uh, protocols. I don't know solutions that could 
actually easily move liquidity from one chain to another. So I guess that that could be automated uh, in some way, so that liquidity will follow some 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 rules from one uh, chain to another, depending on what kind of uh, preferences underlying users have. Yeah. Right, because I was thinking, Ilya, is like for something like Gearbox, you want to have as deep a liquidity on the supply side as possible. Like, I mean, pretty much any other protocol. But if you're specializing in leverage, like you want access to that liquidity no matter what. So, like, I would feel fragmented liquidity going cross chain L2 stuff like that would feel like you guys might have to build your own internal bridge system or some way somehow because there's no way as a like, you know, you could bridge users' funds to basically Gearbox on Arbitrum, right? No, yes, yes. Yeah, may, 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 maybe you're right, and that could be one of the options uh, for the future development. Uh, because, like, yeah, I, I can agree that uh, bridging funds, uh, for example, to Arbitrum, to Optimism, any, any other tool, it could be one of the options that, uh, for example, uh, liquidity providers can choose, like, okay, it's acceptable for me uh, to farm not only uh, on Ethereum, but also on some other uh, layer tools, uh, and please uh, manage these funds, uh, like, on protocol level, and that could be one of the options, mm -hmm. yeah. Got it. No. Yeah, what do you guys feel about, you know, omni-chain layer zero stuff? Have you, do you guys have thoughts about it? Do you not? Uh, I'd say not thought about it uh, very deeply because, like, it's very, very uh, tricky stuff, I guess, and requires a lot of research. Because, like, uh, most, most uh, uh, big, biggest hacks last last year was uh, from bridging stuff here. Yeah? Uh, so it's like, mm -hmm. I, I guess, one of the risk, riskiest parts uh, in our ecosystem. Uh, and, of course, it's very, very uh, security-intensive uh, solution should be here. I was taught as a kid that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, so I'm going to refrain from commenting. <laughs> no, I need some ampless rants on Mondays. Come on. Let me hear it. I have, I have no comment on on layer zero <laughs> protocols. None at all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. Silence um, speaks louder than words. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's 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 get back to to Gearbox for for a sec. Like you know, you guys launched basically late October ish, um, and your TVL literally just went from zero to a hundred. Uh, and like, could you walk me through as the the marketing growth person? How did that come about? What was your strategy? How does a protocol learn from that? And, and you know, things of that nature. Uh, well, I'm not the one who puts together marketing strategies. So I, I, I can't really speak to that. Um, there's a guy on, on the, like, there's a Gearbox contributor called, called Magwo Select who, who does a lot of the planning and strategy work and all credit goes to him for that. I, I just make the memes in the videos. Um, I like to think that the videos being dope helps, uh, but honestly, I think it, it's more about, um, so 
Gearbox V2 has gone through a phased launch, right? Where um, on the credit account side, you have to be a leverage, quote unquote, a leverage ninja to to open a credit account. And there are some uh, collateral minimums and things like that for, for security reasons um, at the moment. Uh, and I think that has helped us uh, in terms of like, so you, if you need a minimum collateral size for security reasons, that, that means you need to attract a certain kind of person, right? Um, to become leveraged ninjas. And so having a large uh, audience of these kinds of people, which Ivan definitely has, um, is really helpful. And then obviously having access to, I don't know if you guys know what LobsterDAO is, but um, mm -hmm. Ivan is like the main admin in LobsterDAO. Uh, those people are all like OG DeFi people. Um, and so having that, not as a marketing avenue necessarily, because obviously like you're not supposed to show there, but like being able to talk about Gearbox and people knowing that Ivan is involved in Gearbox um, definitely helped getting a lot of those uh, leverage ninjas in uh, to the program and, and opening credit accounts. And then on the LP side, I think just having like pretty good yields, especially, you know, as we're in the bear market has helped, right? Because I think yields have compressed a lot in, in a lot of protocols, um, but with credit accounts, because like leverage is built in and like you wouldn't open a credit account. Otherwise you wanted to use leverage. There are people borrowing. Um, um, so there's built in demand for leverage and when there's built in demand for leverage, then you're going to ha have some yield because people are borrowing. And if you're lending to them, you'll make some money. Right. Um, and just, I think just having like reasonable APYs, of course they're boosted right now by, uh, um, token incentives. Um, but I think just having like reasonably decent APYs is, is, is a good, uh, marketing quote unquote marketing. And so far as just marketing, um, is a good marketing ploy right now, uh, especially since yields are down everywhere else. Got it. Oh, uh, also, if also if you yeah, want um, if you want a successful launch of your protocol, definitely hire me to make videos. That's the other thing I'd say. <laughs> How long have you been making videos and memes for? Uh, since DeFi summer. So mm. everything I I know how to do, I learned from uh, based money. Based. That's pretty yeah. based. Yeah, that was, it was the, the best, even though, I even though I lost a bunch of money there too. That was the best, that was the best, the best DeFi summer project as far as I'm concerned. I think they were definitely the closest to the culture in terms of, you know, I just remember those memes. They were just so fresh, the vaporwave and everything. Yeah, it was so the good. Nostalgia, uh, yeah, trip down memory lane. Yeah. Yeah, how do you um, you know keep your pulse on the culture to make the videos and memes that you do? Um, I don't know. I spend too much time on Twitter. Spend too much time on Telegram. But honestly, like the way that I feel about it is not like I'm um, keeping my thumb in the culture. It's like I am the culture. I am the culture. You, you create the culture that you. And then if people respond to it, they respond to it. But like, just do whatever you think is fun and like hope that people respond to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do what you like think that. is cool. Create your own yeah. culture. Yeah. I believe Terrence like, McKenna said something like that. Don't take it. 
don't take any, like all of this is, is fucking nonsense. Like think about what, what we're doing. It's, it's all nonsense. Like, I mean, it's useful in some sense, but also like, look at the industry. It's a joke, right? Guy literally just scammed like $10 billion and he's not in jail. It's like, it's all a fucking scam. It's not that serious. Like, don't take it that seriously. He's speaking at Pitchbook in a few days. Exactly. Oh, yes, right. You know, like, and the gloves are of, quote, quote, unquote. <laughs> I, I, it still blows my mind how he's both not in prison and on top of that, speaking at an event. Like, he's touring. Like, oh, he's he touring, just, bro. You know, <laughs> he just mixed up some funds. Like, it's like, no, he committed fraud and stole from millions of people. Like, and, you know, it's, 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 it's just amazing that, you know, but then yeah, again. Yeah, so like, so crypto is a joke because this guy was like from crypto, right? Like SPF was kind of, I mean, he's not really a crypto native. He doesn't really believe in this stuff, but um, crypto is a joke. Like we had this guy scam $10 billion out of our industry and he's not in jail, but the world is even more joke because joke. the guy who deployed tornado cash is in jail and SPF isn't. So like everything's a fucking scam. Everything's a joke. Yeah, so, and on top, not yeah. just like crypto, but like all the institutions that invested in FTX, whether, you know, it was Sequoia or Tiger Global or the Ontario Teachers Pensions Fund, <laughs> like no one checked, no one like took a deeper dive into it, especially when it went up to like $20 billion, $32 billion. And the fact that he just like kept on raising, even though he had this cash cow, um, I don't know. There was definitely warning signs, but people just chose to ignore them since everyone was making money in an up only environment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's a scam scams all the way down from your government, like whatever government you have down to you as an individual, it's all scams. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. The real black pill right here. Do you have any, uh, you know, white pill thoughts or any white pill takes like, is there hope for a better world? Or is it all just one giant joke and will, has been a giant joke throughout history and will just continue to be a giant joke into the I future? I mean, that is the white pill, right? The white <laughs> pill is that it's a joke. The black pill is that, like, it's not even funny. Like, if you take the scam seriously and you're, like, fucking getting mad that you're getting scammed, that's the black pill. And, like, if you take it in the way that, like, what's that guy's name? The Camus or whatever. I don't know how you pronounce that. I haven't read the book. But like, he's like, oh, if you're Sisyphus and you're pushing the rock up, up the mountain every day, like you can approach it with a good attitude or you can approach it with a bad attitude, right? And the bad attitude is, is if you approach it like uh, Nietzsche does and the good attitude is to be like, well, it's pretty funny to have to pull this, push this fucking boulder up a hill every day. And that's Camus. And so like, that's the re really the only, the only way to approach this shit. Um, and that's the culture, yes. Well, that's what I think of as the culture. Don't take it too seriously. Hmm. Okay. It's wise um, words, but you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> what? Are uh, we gonna say, Kit? I was gonna say, paint me a picture of the most bullish case for crypto for me. Yeah, give us that hopium. I just need it in my veins yeah, right the, now. The, in these the most times. bullish case possible, please. All right, Ilkins, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, let's get Ilkins so to go first. You more bullish?
Go ahead. Oh, I, I said, I, I said, what is the most bullish case you can paint for us for crypto? Give us that hopium. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Give me something, Yogis. Come on. Okay. What is the most bullish case for Gearbox? Uh, like, I guess, uh, when leverage can be applied for any DeFi protocol, right? <laughs> Unstoppable <laughs> got leverage. It. <laughs> got it. Okay. All right. Amplis, you, you want to jump in and help the main man here? So the most bullish case for Gearbox, I guess, is it becomes single source of uh, leverage for every protocol that wants leverage involved in whatever they're doing, whether it's, you know, everything from Yearn to whatever shit coins, you know, people are pumping these days. Um, and like, nobody builds any more borrowing or lending because you can just do it with gearbox and it's so easy that you just like integrate it and then you get approved by governance and you're in and that's super bullish because it means my tokens will go up um for crypto uh so the most bullish case to me is zk tech gets widely adopted um we solved the scalability trilemma ux improves by like a hundred X and we can finally like ditch MetaMask because it's a piece of shit and they're stealing your information, which is bad. Um, so UX gets much better. Uh, scalability is solved and like a lot of things that are too expensive to put on chain, you can put on chain. Um, we find a way to uh, encourage like crypto, whether it's like die or ldsd or some, whatever or whether it's eth but like um we find a way to encourage people to, to accept it as a payment and that completes Except the Frax cycle payment <laughs> yeah sure yeah yeah Frax, yeah sorry totally missed that yeah Frax, die ldsd anything but usdc basically is what i was thinking right um because we don't want to like ideally we don't further entrench usdc in DeFi. um accept crypto as payment so that we can close this uh, blockage off of like not being able to off-ramp and on-ramp things, right? If you can pay with crypto then, and you can earn in crypto, then you can actually defect from fiat uh, in some real way. And I, I think that at least gives you an opt-out to like government bullshit, which is very bullish in my opinion. Um, and then ZK also allows us to reclaim our privacy so that uh, all these Web2 companies stop spying on us. Um, and uh, Alex from Tornado Cash gets freed from jail. That's extremely bullish. Um, and then your mom and your grandma start using, you know, ETH to buy their groceries. <laughs> Love it. All right. That's exactly yeah. what we needed on a Monday. Right. Yeah. And I think on that note, we can go to the uh, rapid fire questions. Um, Kit, I'll let you uh, tee off with this one. 
All right, all right, I will. So, um, Ilga is an amplist. Normally, at the end of all these pods, we run a series of questions, and the first one I always start out with is, "What was your first crypto virgin experience? When did you first touch the chain?" But sexes don't count. Let's start with Ilga's. I show us, I guess. What was I, that? Which ones? Which one? ICOs, which one? Oh, ICO. Oh. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't remember. Falcon or Brave, maybe. Wait, what? Dentacoin? What? <laughs> I think he said Falcon. Filecoin. Filecoin. Oh, oh, Filecoin. oh, I remember that. Got it. Okay. Amplis, your turn. What was your version crypto experience? Um, so my first crypto experience was a business partner of mine uh, shilling me ICOs and saying that we should do an ICO. And I was like, that's scamming. And he was like, yeah, but we can make a bunch of money. And then I quit that company, basically. <laughs> um, but, and then, but then he showed me ETH. And I was like, smart contracts totally make sense. And so I got myself a bag of ETH. That was my first crypto experience. Getting uh, red pill on smart did, contracts. Did you buy it on a sex or did you go off chain and bought it on uh, like Ether Delta or I forget what other ways to get I it back? I bought it not on a sex. I bought it like person to person. Ooh, that I counts, that's right? Chain. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, that's that counts. Chain. That definitely counts. Yeah, yeah. That's that's some some local Bitcoin action. Um okay. And then second question to pair that, what is your favorite off-chain activity? What is your favorite touch grass activity? Let's start with Ilgiz. Uh you mean any activity or somehow related to web? Yeah, trade? hobbies, interests, whatever. Anything outside of crypto? Ah, okay. Uh, uh, actually, uh, love love to play in uh, tennis. Tennis. Tennis, yep. my man. Touch okay. clay. <laughs> All right, Amplis. Uh, I fucking love noodles. I'm obsessed with noodles. Noodles. <laughs> yes. I Do make you remember noodles. I eat them. Um, <laughs> I spend my life dreaming about them. <laughs> Do you remember a noodle protocol? The noodle <laughs> fork. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a sushi fork called noodle. There was a, you make them? There was a fork early in DeFi summer called um, ramen. And it made me so mad because they mixed up tonkatsu and tonkatsu. Tonkatsu is the thick pork soup that you get in ramen, right? Tonkatsu, mm -hmm. it's fried breaded pork cutlets, and they're totally different things. And this so-called ramen protocol, so um, like mistook tonkatsu for tonkatsu, and it fucking drove me insane. And they scammed an exit. I think they ex exit scammed, so I was right about them. Yeah, they can't get their ramen right. Due diligence. I don't know, That's if you're going to choose a theme, you got to like, do it diligently, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, next question. So what would be some advice you would give to yourself that's five years younger than this point? 
Buy more S. Buy more S, yeah. What about you, Amplis? Probably the same, honestly. Well, no, I would say get involved earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I think, like, I think whatever point in my life I heard about smart contracts, I would have been like, this makes sense. This is interesting. I'm going to get deeper into it. Uh, BTC mm -hmm. never made sense to me because the economic, like, the economic model just doesn't make sense. Um, not to offend anybody. Well, fuck them. I don't care. Um, but like smart contracts, <laughs> just like it just clicked for me. And so I would have been like, oh, I should have learned about smart contracts much earlier and gotten involved much earlier. Mm. Got it. And then this is mm -hmm. to wrap it up. Um, let's start with Amplis. It, what would you be doing professionally, career-wise, if you weren't in crypto? Um, so, even before crypto, I was um, running my own business and doing remote work, basically. Like, I was working fully remotely. I was doing, like, the nomad thing, traveling the world. So, I'd probably be, still be doing that. Um, traveling is cool, so you can, like find a way to make money without being chained to a desk in a specific location. You can like just travel around and see new places. I definitely recommend anybody who's like, doesn't know what they're doing with their life to go do that. It's pretty cool. And what about you, I guess? Uh, I don't know. Miss your question. Sorry. Um, oh. If you weren't in crypto, what would you be doing for your career? Uh, I think it would be in banking, uh, building some boring uh, financial marketplace or something like that, yeah. <laughs> same shit. <laughs> Different technology, same shit. Well, in this case, he's building an exciting, uh, he's building an exciting financial marketplace, not a yeah. boring one. Exactly. True. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Ilgez, Amplis, thanks so much for coming on. This was definitely entertaining. Uh, Amplis, I just want to hear more of your takes just like all day. <laughs> I'd be happy to come back on anytime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for watching this episode of Flywheel Pod. Uh, we had the Gearbox guys on, and I have to say, Amplis is fucking hilarious. Like, I just want to bring Amplis on by himself, just to have him go off on all these different rants and all these different thoughts that he has on his mind. Agreed, agreed. And I also love how, like, I think the team is very well balanced, right? You have folks like Ilgiz on there, who's obviously much more technical, much more straight and direct to the answer. And then you have, like, Amplis on the other side to add, like, the culture and the color to it, which I thought was a, a really good yeah. balance bullish on the team yeah you know Ilgez is the nuts and bolts it's you know the body it gets the protocol working but Amplis is the soul Amplis is you know brings life to the protocol uh with his videos and his memes um and you know you know it's in it he's been in it for a while he's been in it since uh, DeFi summer you know starting off with a based uh and in that you know corner of DeFi and you know it's cool to what's cool is like um, something I said, you know, at uh, Frax Giving was 
80% of anything is just like showing up and sticking around. And Amplis is just one of those people that showed up and stuck around and, you know, got an opportunity at Gearbox. And I think it says a lot. Um, and, you know, whether it's like whether your talent's in, you know, more of marketing or in or just more of a dev or somewhere in between, who knows, like you just stick around. Opportunities will just show up. Yeah. And just start contributing. That's what we did. Right. We just planted a flag, yeah. <laughs> called it flywheel. And then here we are six months later here, here. Damn. It's been six months. Oh, around there. That went take. really fast. That's that went to, yeah, June to November. That is six months. Jesus Christ. That is really fast. Damn. Cheers to another six months. You know, let's get, you know, we're at 1.2 subscribers. <laughs> let's double that. Let's get double that to 2.4 uh, subscribers. Let's get that to 10K subscribers. So hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to hit those bell notifications, like, comment on our YouTube. Uh, keep up with us on Twitter. Follow us there at FlywheelPod. Uh, join our Telegram group at FlywheelPod. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.